Sasha Thompson is a respected and certified DEI coach. For the next 30 minutes, we'll get an exclusive look at some of her conversations with others in the field. Welcome to DEI After Five. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of DEI After Five. I am really thrilled and excited to have um, my next guest with us today, because this is someone that I've been wa watching for a while um, in the DEI space and just truly appreciate her, um, her approach to this work and the things that she does. And so without further ado, I want to bring on Adriana Crawford. Hello and welcome. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. So Adriana, you know, for those that may not be familiar with you or the work that you do, can you just tell us a little bit about kind of your work and how you got into it? Yeah. So, so my work in DEI right now, I'm the current, I'm currently the senior DEI manager. I'm leading all DEI initiatives uh, over at Movement Strategy, which is the social media advertising firm. And while I am new to that industry, advertising and social media, I am not at all new to DEI. Uh, so much of my work from the start of my career was in equity. I just didn't have the name for it. Um, there were many instances when throughout workforce development, nonprofit leadership and management, government work, IT, uh, where I was always bringing in that inclusive lens, often taking on, and I think um, many of your listeners, as well as you would know, a lot of us have done this work unpaid um, and mm -hmm. in many instances uncredited uh, because we knew it was the right thing to do. And when you're involved in equity work in the, way that, in the ways that I have across different sectors and industries, private, nonprofit, and government, uh, you start to realize that, for one, um, this is a lot of work. Uh, this this requires you to bring in a lot of different skills uh, skills out of your your proverbial tool belt from change management, people management, strategic planning, um, and all of that in order to be effective. In many instances, because you have to be able to influence without direct authority. And so ultimately, once I understood that this was an industry that I could be compensated for, uh, where I could lead and really make impactful changes, where I could be discerning in the kind of work that I took on, the kind of companies that I would work with, um, because having that support is, is critical. That's how ultimately um, I, I leaned into this work and where I am in my current position um, over at Movement Strategy, which is within advertising, social media, which so many of us are connected with and so, much, so mm -hmm. many of us are impacted by. And I'm, I'm really thankful um, that the work that I do directly impacts um, directly impacts a lot of the messages that we see from some of the biggest brands uh, that we recognize. You know, and I think that that's um, important for anyone that has followed me because, um, you know, I started part of my career, I should say, was in marketing. Right. So um, it's always kind of customer facing and, and what's kind of out there in the forefront. And I'm very critical of companies as well, especially when it comes to diversity and inclusion, because you often see kind of the pretty thing on the outside um, and there's chaos on the inside. Right. And so with the last kind of uprising over the last, you know, couple of years, that was a big part of the shift in these companies putting out, especially on social media, you know, the black boxes and solidarity and all of these statements that they came out with, but their black and brown employees were like, um, guess what? We're having a horrible experience. Don't believe the hype because what you, what they're doing externally, you know, the PR of it, I, I call it, is very different than our day-to-day -day realities, right? And so 
that I think has been one of the changes that we've seen taking place over the last few years is a, a call for accountability. Because I'm not going to say a, a total shift, but a call for accountability in aligning those messages. And so can you talk to us just a little bit about you know, what you're seeing in that space too? Absolutely. Oh my goodness. So, so much of what you said touches on uh, the work that that we care about, that I care about, and that was um, really tantamount to me um, entering this industry. So um, having a, an undergrad, I had a deep interest in PR. One of my majors was in communications and I worked in, in marketing in different in different fields and areas, which is part of my, my business, which we might touch on a little bit later. Uh, but it was really important for me to uh, be able to be able to say confidently that in the work that I'm doing, that we are walking the talk. Um, marketing, to your point, is all about influence. It's all about putting putting the right messaging out there to ultimately influence behavior, to get people to purchase, consume, support your product, your service, you uh, as an individual. And in so many instances, which is why marketing sometimes gets that bad rap, is that it's about crafting the story. But mm-hmm. but when you peek behind the curtain, and sometimes you don't even have to really peek that hard, it's, to your point, chaos. There's uh, there's a lack of, of a sense of belonging. There's deep inequities um, because it's all about the image. And so um, these are things that I have seen. But what I can say confidently, uh, particularly with my work at Movement Strategy, is that um, as since I've been since I've been in the role, and even prior to that, there's been a very specific and concerted effort to ensure that one, the work that we take on um, is with companies that do not have deep seated problems. We are not afraid to step away. Um, or mm-hmm. to or to or to refuse to work with a particular company that we might that we might consider working with because their values do not align with ours, and it also makes sure that we have to that we have to ensure that our house is clean too, and that's a process um, yes. in and of in and of itself, and and it's a process that I proudly take on, and, and that we're probably working on together. Um, and we can also say, and and, I, and I've seen this since my time working, is that. Uh, companies are starting, companies, brands are starting to require that the agencies, that the, that the companies that they partner with or work with also align with their values. They're mm-hmm. stating, stating flat out, when you include in your pitch all of these pretty figures and images and showing us all the work that you can do for us, let's also talk about what you're doing when it, when it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Show us your demographics. Show us mm-hmm. your strategy. Show us, show us and talk to us in the pitch process about how you live these values day to day, because we want to make sure that uh, the messages that we are putting out there, the images that we're putting out there are consistent with the values of every entity that we work with and partner with. So there is that shift that I've seen happen in real time, some brands more so than others. You know, it's, it's interesting because, like I said, for a good portion of my career, I was in marketing and I was having a conversation not too long ago with someone where they said they've lost business because the team was not diverse, right? What they put out there, the image was diverse and and had representation, but the people that were actually putting it together lacked that same representation. And therefore the thought process was very centered on the numbers and not necessarily the inclusion aspect of it, right? And, And how you tie those things together. And so I think that that is kind of what you're saying is people are now wanting that. They want to not just see the numbers, but how is it reflected in what is being created? And how are you um, honestly and genuinely representing your your client base or your your consumer base, right? So, 
you know, as I'm thinking through this too, one of the things that I think is important for um, practitioners to know and understand and why I, I thought it was important for, to have you on here is because for so long, um, DEI has been in HR, right? And anyone that knows me knows that part of the reason why I left corporate um, was because there was that mindset, right? That anything from diversity and inclusion needs to come from the HR team. I was in marketing um, and there was just a battle of kind of what my job was supposed to be. Um, and so to your point, you know, I was told that my job was to make things look pretty. And I'm like, mm, that's not what marketing does. But um, it gave me a sense of that mindset shift. And so I think it's important for companies and organizations to understand that this DEI lens is so much more than a people and process thing, right? It goes into what are the products, who's your client base, who's the audience that you're speaking to, right? It's understanding kind of the marketplace and where your products fit into or how it's being seen by people and individuals from underrepresented communities not just the majority um, groups. And so uh, talk to me a little bit about kind of your take or you know beyond kind of what you're seeing now day to day, but th the industry as a whole and how DEI is kind of morphing beyond just that HR umbrella. Yeah, that, that's a great question. And it's something that, that we continue to, to tackle and, and to discuss on a daily basis. So I can say uh, with my current employer that uh, we're, we're, we always are striving to be um, ahead of the curve and not to be reactionary. And that's something that that's, was incredibly important for me as well, because mm -hmm. when we say our DEI statement uh, says that what we will, that it says that we believe that what we put out into the world matters. Um, and we stand by that. And what I see for the, for the industry as a whole is that People are realizing and have realized that for one, um, it is not advantageous for the morale of, of the team, nor is it advantageous from a business standpoint, um, nor is it advantageous for, for working with your clients to not, not be aligned in your values, to mm -hmm. quite frankly, not get it um, or not make a concerted effort to get it. Because at the end of the day, this world, this world of marketing relies purely on, on customer on customer and consumer perception. And, and when we talk about, well, what do people really think about these brands that you're working with? What do they think about the product or the messaging or the statement? Because then, it, because otherwise, if you're not doing your due diligence, and I've seen this time and time again, it, is, it, is, takes, it takes a toll financially, emotionally, um, staffing-wise, it takes a toll to have to then double back. And now you have to deal with crisis communications. And in the world of social media, you have community managers who are the ones having to face dealing and managing the comments where every, every time something is posted by, you know, by a brand that, that is undergoing some bad press. These top executives aren't the ones that have to deal with it, although they're managing it and they're aware of it. It's these community managers, the social media managers, the folks that are looking at the analytics that have to account um, and, and, are, and are held on the line to, to do that. And so I think that the more and more we talk about it, the more and more we have these conversations, people in the industry are really starting to really realize like, you know what, this is going, this goes beyond just maybe a handful of days of bad press. That This, is, this takes a toll on our people, um, on the people proverbially on the front lines who are having to yep. manage these types, of, these types of interactions, especially in the world, of, especially in social media. Um, and to your point around, around human resources, 
I have, I feel really strongly about this with, because human resources, although for some folks, they're starting to change it. I will say at Movement, our people and culture team uh, is one that is, is changing the face of HR um, in the sense that human resources typically, uh, as you know, serves the interests of the company. Um, mm -hmm. It's compliance driven. It's to mm -hmm. essentially ensure that people don't get sued. Um, mm -hmm. And that, which is why people in general have a, have a distrust of HR when they're going through something, when they, when they might be experiencing some sense of maybe discrimination or microaggressions or things like that, you know, in many instances, their first bet is not necessarily to engage with HR because there might be that sense of like, all right, is this, is that something actually going to happen? Uh, where, where, where do the interests really lie? Do they have my best interests at heart? Um, and that's where DEI, my role in particular, comes into play as sometimes the first line of defense, sometimes the intermediary. Mm -hmm. And in some instances, particularly because of my role as leading all of DEI and my knowledge of business strategy and change management, I also think about things from an overarching sense. Like let's let's partner on this together. And in some cases, it doesn't even have to make it to HR because it exists outside of that. And there is that genuinely safe space to grapple with, discuss, navigate through some of some things that may be in the more gray areas. Um, so it's that duality of, of my role um, within the industry and understanding how the industry works overall as we try to um, make a name for DEI while also recognizing that some clients are a little bit further along than others um, right. and, 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 and operating not just as uh, your, your marketing or your social media agency, but in some instances consulting on the fly and saying, mm, no, I don't think you should say that. I don't think we should put this particular image out. Um, and providing a basis for that. Yeah, I mean, that is so aligned with kind of my thought process, right? Where I, I honestly feel that, you know, whoever is in that head diversity role, whatever it is, however you name it, um, reports into like the CEO or the COO um, and it's outside of HR. And I will even throw out there that I feel like HR needs to report into DEI because of, of how, um, how diversity and inclusion is such a part of the DNA or should be a part of the DNA of the organization. So I do want to do a little bit of a pivot because I know that, you know, you have your own business as well. And I want to talk about that because I think, um, well, let's talk about what your business is and then we'll kind of go into a little bit of those details. So talk to me a little bit about the Elan Principle. Yeah. Uh, the, so the, the Elan Principle is, the, the brainchild of all these years of work that I've done in the image world, in the consulting and coaching world, and ultimately recognizing that there is a significant and has been a significant gap between some of these services, the, the services that many of us may be recognized with, like, okay, how do I work with someone to help me with executive presence and communication and image? Um, but also, why, why, why do I not know that this service exists? And mm -hmm. the people that often need it the most just almost have a barrier of access to it. And so that's where the Elan Principle came from. I spent years as a career coach and consultant working primarily with women from mar typically marginalized communities and primarily in industries such as ours within equity and impact work. And the, and the issues and challenges that I've noticed kept coming up, which was hitting that glass ceiling or that glass cliff, not quite being able, not quite being sure how to navigate things. And also, and also kind of working within a space where the advice that they were given was through the lens of a white patriarchal paradigm. Talk like this, do your hair like that, dress this way. 
Um, so in other words, if you want to reach the next level pr professionally or within your career or within your life, you needed to uh, shed a lot of the things that people would deem unprofessional, being Black mm -hmm. in my case, being sometimes being a woman, and adopt this very overarching assimilation type of practice, which to me goes against my personal ethos. And so that's where the Alon Principle comes into place. We work with dynamic women, typically from marginalized communities, who want to enhance their executive presence, their overall image and communication, without being told that there's something wrong with the fact that they may be Black, without, some, without being told, told that there's something wrong with them for being maybe fuller size or plus size, or that they have to change their diction and tone um, in, in some instances. And it's, it's work that's been incredibly rewarding. Um, I work with women across across professions and careers, but typically they, they all kind of work in equity work. And I think it's probably because of, of what I do as well. So there's that sense of kinship and deep understanding and us also recognizing that there are certain needs that we have that are very unique to the work that we do. We're in the business of empathy. And so sometimes it's even a challenge to step into a space where we are working with someone whose job is to be empathetic to us um, and, to, and to serve and work with us. And that's what I do. You know, I, I absolutely love that. Um, and I think the question that came to mind as we were kind of preparing for this was there's this conversation happening right now around how do you define professionalism, right? And how is professionalism, um, how does it manifest in the corporate space? And to your point, it's been very much based on white, male, cisgender, you know, this framework. Um, but so many of us don't fit inside that box or that framework. And so how do we step into our authentic selves while also trying to step up, right? Also trying to, it's a lot of balancing. And, you know, you spoke about the, I'll say code switching that often is forced um, for us in these spaces. And so talk to us or give us kind of some tips that people can probably, you know, think about or ways that they can think about how they could show up authentically um, in this space while dealing still within a framework that has not changed very much? That I, I love, love that question. And the, uh, the analogy that I like to use is like driving. So uh, everyone has their own style of driving. Some people may have a slightly heavy foot like I do. <laughs> Some people are, are in the proverbial left lane and they're, and they're more careful but everyone is on the road trying to get to where they want to go. And I look at the world of work in a similar way where we're all in this space um, because we may want a paycheck. We may want to feel a sense of personal fulfillment. We may want to help other people. Uh, we may want to create beautiful cuisine, whatever the case is, we're all, we're all on this road together and we all have our own style. And the goal is that we all want to make sure that we all get to where we're trying to go to safely in one piece and without damaging or harming other people along the way. So how do we best do that? Does it mean that I have to drive the exact way you drive at 10 and two um, and maintaining this, this constant speed limit? Not necessarily. If, if, I'm, if I'm a little bit more adept and I might you know, go a little bit in the 70s or the 80s, or I might you know, swerve in and out in my way, in my authentic way, because that feels right to me, if I can do that without causing trauma to someone who's a brand new driver, or, brand, or new in the world, if I can do that without scaring and harming other folks who have families and baby and then babies on board, and I can still get to my destination and you can still get to where you want to go, then, then I know that I've, I've been my authentic self while also maintaining a, a mutual and shared understanding that everyone has their own goals, 
their own dreams, their own desires, and they're all trying to get to where they want to go. And in the world of, of what professionalism is, it doesn't mean that I have to look like you. I don't have to wear the same thing that you're wearing. I, I certainly don't have to speak in the exact way that you're speaking, but the basic mechanics remain the same. Um, I extend kindness and courtesy. I believe in kindness and love, and it is Valentine's Day. So I, I always, I believe in leading with that. Um, I believe in, I believe in, and ultimately um, staying true to yourself by also recognizing that sometimes the road that you're on, the job that you're on, the environment, the organization is not, you have no business being there in the first place because they're not committed to understanding you. They have no desire to help you feel more comfortable as well. So it's also sometimes being authentic enough to know when to walk away um, and to say, mm -hmm. you know what, this, this is an environment that is uh, not designed with my health, with my wellness, with my safety in mind at all. And if I was going to be able to survive to get to to collect that check or to, to to serve these people, then I would have to fundamentally change who I am, the things that make me me. And that's not something that I'm willing to compromise on. And it is that balancing act. Um, and, and it's and it's constantly evolving. And I don't want people to think that it, it's ultimately evergreen because as your environments change, sometimes you may notice that, you know what, I have to adjust. And in this world of DEI, which is why I like to say sometimes, it's not really quite such thing as a DEI expert because what was true last week may not be true this week. Right. Uh, what language existed last year doesn't quite exist exist this year. Um, so ultimately it's not evergreen, but you may find as you as you progress, as you feel more comfortable within yourself, that it gets a little bit easier over time. Yeah. Hopefully the car analogy works. Um, it's, it's no, 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 that one, was, that one was, of my favorites. Because <laughs> I was sitting there like, you know, you have to kind of, you do take other people into consideration, but it doesn't necessarily change, you know, as you were saying, like where you position your hand on the wheel or what music you're listening to, or if it's mm -hmm. a whatever it is yep. in your own space, you do that, right? But just take other people into consideration as mm -hmm. you do that, or even how you navigate exactly. that space. Exactly. Right. I love it. And yeah, because all of a sudden I started going in like, okay, yeah, I'm on the highway. That, that makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, so I want to touch on something that you said here, but then you also said when we were talking earlier around um, just kind of the stress, right? So we were talking earlier about the front lines and people that follow me know that I've, I've talked about a lot of DEI practitioners being the proverbial front line of this work, um, especially after the murder of George Floyd, because companies didn't know what to do. They DEI practitioners were the ones that were kind of being thrown in to kind of figure it out and fix it. Um, but there was a lot of stress. There's a lot of pressure, especially if organizations aren't doing, if DEI is not part of the DNA and those mistakes are constantly happening. Um, and they're the performative acts, um, as I like to call them, are, are being called out, right? The DEI folks are kind of the ones like, okay, this is what we have to do. This is what we have to fix. And it's this constant cycle. And then I kind of go into um, what you just talked about around like personal brand and your style and the stress that comes with that, right? Because some so many people, especially people of color, and I'll say even more specifically Black folks are taught, right? You have to be a certain way in order to be seen as professional, right? <laughs> Excuse me. You have to, you know, change mannerisms, do all of these things. and with that, there's an additional level of stress. It's, it's, I, I often um, say that we're all wearing invisible coats. We just don't know how heavy someone else's coat is, right? And so 
as you you're heavy as you are carrying this heavy coat, um, it adds stress and pressure to you. And so between both of those, it's you know this need for and again it goes back to like how do we take care of self, right? What are the things that we need to do to in order to to ensure that as we are doing this work within our organizations or as we are trying to move up the ladder within our organizations that we cannot lose what's most important, which is our health in this. And so talk to us a little bit about, you know, the work that you've done in the wellness space um, and, and some of the things that you do to take care of self. So touching on that invisible quote, I, I, I love that, that analogy. And it reminds me of this quote, and I think it might've been my Angelou who said it, maybe someone else, but it's, it's rather simple. And it says, in order to move on, you got to let go of the stuff. I don't know. I don't think they said stuff, but you got to let go of some of the stuff that weighs you down. And, and in order to, to begin um, letting go of some of the stuff that's weighing you down, in some cases, it means identifying what they are in the first place. That's what's worked for me. Some, some things are I, I can't escape from. I can't escape from being uh, black. Can't escape from from being a, a woman, um, a cisgendered woman, um, and, and the challenges that comes with that. I, I can't escape from or, or let go of some of the challenges that, that I have with, with mental health, which we touched on. But I can uh, identify the other stressors that make those identities weigh weigh down on me a little bit heavier. Um, I can choose who I spend my time with. I can choose where I work and how I work in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can choose to, to remove myself or to remove myself while also asking for the additional help and support that I need, that, that many of us has been, have been told that we shouldn't need or shouldn't ask for. And, and when we think about the stress that comes with doing this work, uh, I say it all the time that um, being involved in equity work requires always leading with empathy. And empathy by its very design, (laughs) is always keeping other folks in mind. And some of Mm -hmm. us were, in a sense, born that way, and it's intrinsic, um, which is why sometimes we can almost feel physically, we feel the physical effects and impacts of emotionally charged situations, of when people are really struggling. And that that requires, and and I've learned to do this, and I'm continuing to learn to do this with accepting that there's going to be a level of guilt that comes with stepping away, but that I have to, but I'd rather trade the stress with the guilt sometimes, um, because it, sometimes it does mean that, no, I, I can't take on that additional meeting or have that additional conversation. I do have to step away and, and the guilt will be there and I'll identify it. So the guilt is what, it's what weighs me down. But I call it on and I say, you know what, I'm going to choose to let that go because right now me is better. Taking, taking a shower without thinking of what's, what's going to happen is better um, than, than choosing to add more to my plate. And it's a constant shift and balancing act. Some days will be a lot better than others. Some weeks are a lot better than others. At the time at the time of George Floyd, I mean, that, that was uh, extremely, extremely taxing. And in some cases, it was almost uh, unavoidable. And, so the, and, and sometimes in those spaces, because it's very easy to say, you know, get a therapist. And I always preach, you know, the importance of therapy, but therapists also, you know, are drained. Some, many of them don't, don't accept clients or, or what have you. Their docket is, is full, so to speak. So sometimes this even helps to find space and community 
having conversations like this, connecting with folks who know what you're going through. And sometimes you can just vent and commiserate and share and sob and weep together um, just so that someone can see you and say, you are not alone. This isn't, these feelings that you have are not unique uh, just to you. And even though it hurts right now and there's no cookie cutter way to make it all better, um, at the very least for right now, we can share each other's burdens in this space. So it's it's a couple of different species and, and everything that I've, that I've just spoken to are things that I have done in real time and continue to do to take mm-hmm. care uh, of self. And then there's also the, the space around um, the weight of, of having to pretend or feeling like you have to pretend that the weight doesn't even exist at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and acting like, okay, well, just another day at work. How's everyone's weekend? Well, well you know, this weekend uh, I spent sobbing because, you know, another Black person was killed or, or I spent the time having to live this double life. And, and mm-hmm. I think as, I, as I've gotten older and what I appreciate about this time that we're in is that more and more people are starting to say, you know what? I don't accept that. I don't accept having to pretend that everything is okay. Now, it is easier in some spaces than others, and I want to hold space and acknowledge those that do not currently work in those kinds of environments, and that's extremely tough. And I think that's where things like maybe employee resource groups, having community or shared community outside of work is really important um, because it's not always easy at at work sometimes. But if you can, if you can, um, bring, bring some of that space to your work. Um, bring some of that and be open when see, when someone when some folks say you know how are you doing how was your weekend try a little bit of honesty on not you don't have to tr- you don't have to throw throw the whole book at them but you can say you know it was a little bit tough with, with things that that have been going on and being honest around that um, because quite I mean quite frankly they they'll they'll either take it and hold space for it or they'll it'll make them uncomfortable um, but I, I will never advocate for someone to pretend because to your point, that's another type, that's a, that's a type, type of denial that's invalidating your own feelings, your own emotions mm-hmm. in real time. And it's a form of death. And that, that might sound dramatic, but to me, that's killing a little bit of yourself. Every time yeah. you say, oh yeah, sure, I'm sure I'm fine. You're just, you're cutting yourself off and invalidating yourself day by day by day. And to what end? To make other yeah. people feel comfortable. Um, no, that's great. You know, now they feel good and, and they don't feel the burden um, if, if such a type of burden exists, but they don't have to feel the burden of um, of what you're experiencing and what you're dealing with, which, you know, to me is uh, not quite, that's not, wor- that's not worth it, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, it just echoes so much of what I share with, you know, my clients. It's who's in your circle of support, right? Making sure you have that strong circle of support around you, especially in this work, because it can be so taxing, right? It can be so um, draining, but then there are also those times where you have a really great day and you want to be able to share that with other people too that get it, right? And so um, that I think is such a critical part of the work that I do, you know, especially with my coaching clients. So Adriana, thank you so much for your time today. Um, And I want to make sure that we get your website back on there. So if anyone wants to connect with you, TheOnlinePrincipal.com is where they can find you. Um, is there anywhere else where they can find you as well? Absolutely. You can find me on LinkedIn um, under Adriana Crawford. I also have a separate page uh, under The Elan Principal. I'm on Instagram at The Elan Principal as well. Um, I'm very active, so you can feel free to reach out to me. Facebook as well under same name, The Elan Principal. So whatever is your flavor, uh, you can well, feel free to go ahead and reach out to me. And I am very responsive to emails and messages. Thank you so much. Well, you, thank you so much, Adriana. I was about to say Elon. <laughs> <laughs> for 
joining us today. And I want to thank everyone um, that has stopped and listened to this um, enter this conversation because I think it's so important and I love the fact that we've kind of bridged you know the corporate work as well as some of the other personal work that needs to take place and how we mm -hmm. really need to center ourselves in this yeah. so thank you so much thank you everyone for watching and listening and we will see you next time I'll be sure to subscribe as well so that you don't miss out on some upcoming episodes thanks have a good thank one you. bye